We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles today and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. This is the last message in the series, Hope in a Dark World. I know God's going to speak to your heart and your life. If you haven't been here and heard the previous messages, they're all available online at chctoday.com. Go down to service video archives and you can find everything right there. You could also uh, get our podcast at iTunes and uh, that link you can find as well under CHC Today. You can also pick up a DVD or a CD by ordering them at the information desk to guest services. So make yourself and avail yourself to the Word of God in this ministry. I believe it's been a word from God over the last few weeks. First Peter chapter 9, we're talking about hope in a dark world, how we live when things that go against us. It kind of reminds me of the story I heard this last week of the little three-year-old girl who her mama went into labor prematurely. No one was around, so they called 911. When the paramedics showed up, power was out at the house. So the paramedic gave the little girl a flashlight and said, we hold this while I deliver the baby. He delivered a baby boy, picked it up by its heels, gave it a swat on the bottom so it would start uh, crying. And then he looked and said to the little three-year-old, what do you think about that? She said, he shouldn't have crawled in there in the first place, spank him again. <laughs> Some of you will get that next week, but that's okay. So how do we live in times of great stress and anxiety? How do we live in times that are difficult to say the best? How do we not only endure, but how do we survive and thrive in a difficult time? We've already talked about the fact, 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 4, we respond with passion. And in that, we understand our assignment, who we are and what God has called us to do. We also understand we're not forgotten. He hasn't left us alone. When things are tough, God is right there with us. He never leaves us and He never forsakes us. This morning, I want to talk to you about understanding that we rejoice in difficult times. So let's pick it up in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept... By the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, for though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, add your anointing to the preaching of your word. Let our hearts hear and receive and understand and respond to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. I love what it says in verse 4 of our text. It says, to you which are kept by the power of God. When you look at that word in the Greek, you understand it means to encircle. It means to protect. It means to mount a guard. So as we read this passage today, we need to remember that God has already surrounded us with armies of angels. God has already determined to protect His people. God has already hedged us in with the protection of the Holy Spirit and the power of the living God. So we need to understand when things get difficult, it's not necessarily what I'm doing wrong. Matter of fact, that's what we always think, isn't it? 
When times are tough, when things are difficult, we look inward. What am I doing wrong? We become, we become, uh, I can't even say it, so I'm going to move on. We look inward and we say, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? What do I need to change in order to cause the pressure to be relieved from my life? But if you study the Word of God, you soon come to understand it may not be a matter of what you're doing wrong. It really may be a matter of what you're doing right. It may be a matter of you have aligned yourself with the kingdom of God. You have rejected the philosophy of the world. And you have said, regardless of what I endure, I'm on the Lord's side and I'm not going to change. I'm going to press on and press in and allow God to surround me, to guard me, to hem me in, to hedge me around about with his power, with his grace, and with his glory. Listen, there's a lot of folks who think that if I become a Christian, all of my problems are going to disappear. That's simply not true, folks. Matter of fact, when you align yourself with the kingdom of God and declare I'm a child of God, you need to understand you have an enemy. He's put an X on your back and he's coming for you. But the good news is, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. My God is victorious. He is a champion. He is a conqueror. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So when the enemy comes in, I have the assurance the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. And I will be more than a conqueror through him that loves me. So when things get hard... Stop saying, what am I doing wrong? Start saying, what am I doing right? And whatever you're doing right, do some more of that. Come on, intensify your efforts. Double down on that and do more of what God is asking you and calling you to do. Don't allow difficult times and circumstances to chase you away from the call of God on your life. Rather, let it drive you to what God has asked you to do. When things get tough, stop saying, what am I doing wrong? And start saying, Lord, what am I doing right that's caused the adversary of my soul to come against me? Because I want to do more of that. Lord, anything I can do to disrupt the kingdom of darkness, that's what I'm going to do. I want more grace, more mercy, more love, more power, more of you flowing in and through me and touching those around me. It's not a matter of what I'm doing wrong. It's a matter of what I'm doing right. You see, it's the, it's the mission of the kingdom of darkness. It's Satan himself, Ooh, there we go, to knock us down, to put us off of our feet, convince us that we've failed. I've got news for you. He will knock you down. But the good news is through the power of Jesus Christ, you get up, you dust off your britches and you say, is that the best you got? Is that all you can do? Oh, I've come to tell you the devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's going to tell you you're a failure. But it's time to believe the true report of the Lord. The report of the Lord says you're a child of the King. You're a child of the Most High God. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So when you're in tough times, stop saying what am I doing wrong and start saying what am I doing right and do it some more. Do it some more. And let God move in and God move through your life. Oh, it's time to recognize, church, that we overcome him. Speaking of the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, do you know the power that's in the blood? 
I'm telling you, there's power in the blood today. Some years ago, some of our churches took out all the songs that referred to the power of the blood from their hymnals. Oh, why would you do that? I'm going to tell you, there is power in the blood. And when I'm covered by the blood, the enemy cannot harm me. He may try, but he isn't going to be successful because there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cover me in the blood. And I'm so glad when he covered us in the blood of Christ when we came to the cross. It wasn't just a little old bitty thin skin. It wasn't just a little old bitty paint job. But my friend, you need to know and understand. You can't scrape it off. You can't rub it off. When you're in the blood of Jesus Christ, it flows through your veins. It covers every aspect of your life. The devil is defeated. The enemy is a liar because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, we need to get that in our spirit today. So this morning, I came to tell you, when you're going through tough times, when you live in a dark world, you need to understand greater, 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 greater is he that is in you. When you read our text this morning, it says we are kept by the power of God. The word power is dunamis. It means mighty power, explosive power. It means power to change, power to destroy. Oh, we need some dunamis power in this place this morning. When the enemy comes in, stand up against him and say, it's not going to work. You may try, you may knock me down, but I'm going to get up again. And when I get up again, I'm going to say, is that all you got? Come on, church, it's time to be, stop being afraid of the enemy and run to the fight. I talked to you about that two weeks ago. Run to the fight. Don't run away from the battle. Run to the fight. Don't turn and be a coward. Don't cower down. Run to the fight. And let the God of all glory give you strength and victory and power in the midst of those circumstances and situations. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you understand why that is so important? Because you and I will never succeed against the forces of darkness. But if the power in us is not of Steve Dow, but it's of the Lord God Most High, if it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if that same power lives in me, then I'm kept by the power of God. I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to conquer through Jesus' name. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you think you've got it hard? You need to look this up and read it later. Beginning in verse 23 down through verse 32. We need to understand, Paul says, you think you've got it hard? Why don't you try my life? He said, I've been beaten by the Jews three times, 39 stripes. I've been stoned once. I've been shipwrecked in the deep and spent a night and a day in the sea. I've been chased by my countrymen. I've been chased by thieves and outlaws and enemies. He said, you think you've got it hard. Come and live my life for a little while. Oh, come on, church. I'm challenging you this morning. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get back in the fight. Stand up and declare, I am kept by the power of the living God. When the devil comes at you, you stand up on your hind legs and you say, you will not defeat me. You are a liar and the father of all lies. You are my adversary, my enemy, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and I will overcome. Several years ago, a contemporary artist by the name of Matthew West penned the words to this song and then recorded it. 
And he began to tell us in this song, transformation has occurred. Will you all play that video, please? Play that video for me. Transformation has occurred through Jesus Christ and through his name. Watch this video. Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met. Every single day of your life, I'm the whisper inside that won't let you forget. Hello, my name is Defeat. I know you recognize me. Just when you think you can win, I'll drag you right back down again till you've lost all belief. So the next time the devil comes, you need to sing that song to him. Oh, you're forgetting who I am. You think I'm that guy you used to know. No, I'm the child of the one true king. Royal blood flows through my veins. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And you ain't got nothing to touch that devil. Come on, sing it to him. You may think I have filled with regret. You may think you're going to defeat me. But I got news for you at Calvary. Christ covered it all. And I am no longer a failure. I am no longer one who's prone to sin and shame. But I've got news for you. I'm a child of the one true king. Jesus is my other brother and God is my father. Come on, church. In difficult times, rejoice because you're a child of the one true king. Number two, look out with me. When we're in difficult times, we need to focus on the end game. Keep your eye on the prize. Never forget everything we do is about eternity. Everything we do is about eternity with Jesus Christ. Don't allow your vision to be clouded. Don't allow you to be disrupted thinking, if I can just get through today, I've got news for you, you're going to get through today. And it's not about today, it's about eternity with God, a time that never, never, never ends. That's what Peter said in our text. When the disciples were wondering... What's going to happen when you leave? What's going to happen, Jesus? Jesus said these words in John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if I go away, it's to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, it's about eternity. We need to get that in our spirit today. It's not how much money I can amass. It's not how much real estate I may own. It's not the car I drive or the clothes I wear. It's not my occupation. It's not my vocation. Everything we do as believers has to be about eternity. Because when this life ends, and it ends for all of us, we're going to spend eternity with Him forever and ever and ever. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 23 through 27, reading from the message. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. 
I don't know about you, but I'm running hard to the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, tell everyone else all about it, and and then miss out myself. That's not going to happen, he said. And then he pinned these words to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4, or chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, when he said this at the close of his life, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's a word for you this morning. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry, fulfill your call. Then he goes on to say, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And I love the last part of that verse. But not to me only, but unto all them also who love his appearing. Oh, come on. Are you one of the also's? Are you one of those that have a hope in heaven? Are you one of those who's going to endure and conquer and overcome? Endure afflictions. Do the work of the evangelist because... There is a crown of life waiting for you. That's what Paul says to us so clearly, so succinctly in the closing moments of his life. So we need to understand to do that, we also need to follow our faith, not our feelings. I know a lot of believers who are motivated by feelings, but really, when you get right in the kingdom of God, your feelings always follow your faith, not the other way around. So many of us, as long as things are going well and right, as long as we get pumped up and supercharged on Sunday morning, oh, then we're going to be good until the devil comes, until the difficulty arrives, until the temptation knocks on our door, and then all of a sudden, everything we'd receive, that high that we were riding dissipates. I just don't know how I'm going to make it. I've never encountered anything like this before. I don't think I can do this. Oh, come on, folks. You need to remember, feelings always follow faith. And those of us in this room, we are not motivated. We are not ordered. Our life is not orchestrated by feeling. But our life is orchestrated by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that He will do what He said He will do in and through our lives. What did Isaiah say? He said, every weapon formed against you shall not prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Why? Oh, I love this part. Why? Because that's the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Oh, come on. Are you a servant of God this morning? Then you need to know when the enemy comes in, you stand against him. You resist that temptation and you call down that judgment because that's the promise of God in and over your life today. When we're living in difficult times, you got to remember who you are. You're a child of the Most High God. I remember the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the leader of Judah. A massive army was coming against him. He didn't know what to do. Matter of fact, you can read it. He says in, I believe it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Lord, we have no might against this great company, and we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Our eyes are upon you. And you know the rest of that story. God delivered Judah that day because Judah said, we're going to praise him. We're going to exalt him in the face of an enemy we're not, we can't conquer. We're not going to depend on ourselves. We're going to depend on the promise of God. And God was faithful when they stood their ground. Listen, somebody needs to hear this this morning. God's not afraid of the truth. God's not afraid of the truth. 
If the doctor said you have cancer, that doesn't bother God. If your bank account is empty, that doesn't bother God. If your spouse walks out, that's no surprise to God. If your kids are in rebellion, God knows all about it. God's not afraid of the truth. So when you're in a difficulty, you need to man up and say, God, this is going on. I don't like it, but I believe you are well able to deliver me. You are well able to see me through. You are well able to bring me to victory because God is not afraid of the truth. Would you put that first picture on the screen? In 1993, I went to a church in Topeka, Kansas as their senior pastor. The lady you're about to see was my secretary. Her name is Jeanette Frank. Jeanette was uh, 50 or so when I got to Topeka. Leave that picture up there, please, for a few moments. Beautiful, wonderful lady. She did a great job working for me, loved her to death. And in 1997, she was diagnosed with colon cancer. This was her second bout. Nine years previous, she had had cervical cancer, made a complete recovery. When she went through the uh, examination phase, they said, we're going to have to do surgery. It's going to be radical. I stood by her bedside that day in KU Medical Center after the surgery had been done. And as I stood there talking to her and her husband, Al, the oncologist and the surgeon came into the room. And they said, Miss Frank, we've done all that we can do. We took a large portion of your colon out. We couldn't remove any more. But, Miss Frank, we couldn't get all the cancer. It's very aggressive. And, Miss Frank, you probably have six months, maybe nine at the most, to live. Six months. Six months. Nine at the most. Six months. Nine at the most. That's difficulty. That's adversity. That's the devil in your face. I saw the tears begin running out down her face, and her husband begin to cry, and eventually the doctors left. And she looked up at me, and she said, Pastor, there's just one thing I want. I want to see my grandbabies grow up. At that time, her only son, his wife, was pregnant with their first child. She said, I want to see my grandbabies grow up. And I remember standing over Jeanette that day, and I remember declaring Psalm 118, verse 17. It says, I will not die. I shall live and declare the works of the living God. I remember getting in faith with her. And I remember, folks, she was in the hospital for about two weeks. She came home. No further treatment could be done. They sent her home to die. But I got news for you. Put that next picture up on the screen. She's still alive today, 19 years later. Those are her grandsons. One's a sophomore at Kansas University. The other's a senior in high high school. When the devil comes in, don't be afraid of the truth. Stand up and say, I will not die. I shall live. Oh, Maurice Laws, that's a word from God for you this morning. You shall not die. You shall live. Greater is that is in you than he that is in the world. Oh, it's time to get that down in your spirit and know and understand our God is able. You need to read something that will build your faith. Read the entirety of Psalm 118 this afternoon. Let God speak to you from it. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I'm going to be kept by the power of God. That same word keep in that scripture is the same word in our text. And what does it mean? It means surround me. It means hem me in. It means put a guard around me. Oh, come on, folks. We are kept by the power of God. And what I commit to him, he keeps. 
So we need to understand God is able. Matter of fact, I just learned this this morning. Ted Cook, a member of our church, yesterday sometime, I don't know the time frame, was air flatted from his home in Quincy to TMH, having a massive heart attack. His wife, Elise, simply sent a text to one of our ladies here in the church, and she called others. I didn't even know about it. They didn't call me. Listen to me. They didn't call me. I'm saying this because you don't need me to pray for you. There's a lot of folks that can pray for you. Matter of fact, if you want somebody to pray for you, ask that little lady right there. She's much more powerful in prayer than I am. You need to have a need, call Yvonne. She'll pray and believe God. They didn't even call me. I didn't know anything about it until this morning. This is the report I got. By the time he got to TMH in the helicopter, his heart attack in medical terms was inactive. For some reason, it had stopped. They have no idea why. They don't understand it. They can't put an answer to it. Oh, I can. And the answer is, by His stripes, I am healed. He renews. He restores. He brings power in the lives of His people. Oh, folks, know and understand. Feelings always follow faith. Not the other way around. Number three, refine your faith. Refine your faith. Peter, Peter talks about that in verses 7 through 9 of our text. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom you have not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith. Oh, come on. This is what it's all about. The end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. It's all about eternity. We need to understand that when we're walking through life and facing difficulties, we face them to refine our faith, to purify our faith, to get some junk out of our lives that doesn't need to be there. Oh, I'm looking for some 24-carat Christians this morning. I'm looking for some folks that have been through the fire and all the dross has been removed and they are pure shining as pure gold oh come on their faith isn't contaminated but the fire didn't destroy them it purified them and enabled them to go on it's what we need is some 24 karat Christians Luke 23 I won't go into the whole story but you can read it later verses 31 and 32 prior to his crucifixion Jesus said these words for Satan to Peter Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Oh, come on, somebody, get this. Where is Jesus Christ today? He's at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing this morning? He's ever making intercession for those who love him. I got news for you. When you're in the fire, the King of Kings is praying for you. When the difficulties are around you, Jesus is praying for you. You need to be encouraged and strengthened this morning knowing That is more than enough. And then we need to understand that we refine our faith with laughter and singing. So many times we don't laugh and sing when we're in the difficulty. Have you ever noticed that? Now we gripe and complain. But the Bible shows us when times are tough, when the promise of God is on our life, but it's so unbelievable and invisible, rather than griping, complaining, and doubting God, let's do some laughing and singing. Come on, it's time to lift up our voice unto the Lord and give Him praise. It's time to declare, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's time to say, with His high praises in my mouth and the two-edged sword in my hand, I march forward to victory. 
You see, the Bible says it this way in Genesis chapter 18. It's the story of God coming to Abraham and telling him, your wife Sarah, who is barren, who can't have children, is going to have a child. Sarah's in the tent. She's listening to this conversation. And we pick up the reading in verse 11 from the message. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was far past the age of having babies. Sarah laughed within herself when she heard the word of God. She laughed, saying, an old woman like me get pregnant with this old man for a husband? You didn't have to laugh at that. Why didn't you laugh at the old woman like me? Why are you laughing at the old man for I don't understand that. Have you been talking to these people, Yvonne? I just need to know. With this old man for a husband? And God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, me, have a baby, an old woman like me? Now, I love it because God didn't talk about the old man. So think about that, all right? <laughs> Maybe a word from God for you today. And then he said, is there anything too hard for God? I'll be back this time next year, and Sarah will have a baby. I'm here to tell you, when things are difficult, it's time to lift your voice and give Him praise. It's time to sing a song of victory. It's time to declare as David of old in Psalm 133, Surround me with songs of deliverance. Let me give Him praise and honor and glory. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to know and understand that God is able if we'll worship Him to see us through. When we praise Him, He strengthens us. And then lastly, when you're in the trouble, when you're in the difficulty, when God's refining your faith, never, 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 never. I know it's only three times in your outline, but you need to hear it more than that. Never, 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 never give up. Never give up. What basis do you have for that statement? The book of Job, chapter 42. Begin verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's possessions, his losses. And listen to me, this is what some of you need to hear. The Lord restored Job's losses. What did he lose? He lost everything. His family, except his nagging wife, that's the only thing God didn't take. I don't have one of those, I'm blessed. My wife said to me yesterday, she saw something on Facebook about my wife is such a blessing to me. She said, I'm going to post that. I said, go ahead. I love it. She said, no, then you'll post my account got hacked. I would never do that. I love my wife. She's a blessing to me. The only thing that Satan didn't take out of Job's life was his wife. And she told him, why don't you just curse God and die? You worthless, sick old man. The Bible said the Lord restored Joe's losses. He lost his children. He lost all of his possessions. He lost his wealth. He lost everything. And the Bible says the Lord restored Job's possessions, his losses. Now listen, when he prayed for his friends. You know those three friends? They've been talking doubt to him. They've been telling him there's something wrong with you. Oh, listen to me, friend. You need to go back to what I just said. When you're in the fire, don't say, what am I doing wrong? Say, what am I doing right? Because Job rejected their statements. He knew it was right with God. He refused to believe that lie. And when he prayed for those three doubts, Doubters. Somebody in this room needs to hear it. God is saying, if you'll go back and pray for those that have offended you, go back and pray for those that have harmed you, go back and pray for those who talk bad about you, go back and pray for those who have abused and misused you, if you'll do that, God restores. God restores. 
One, it goes on to say, indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all of his brothers, all of his sisters, all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him, ate the food with him in his house, consoled and comforted him. Where were they when he was sitting on an ash heap, scraping the boils from his skin? They were nowhere around. But when things were good again, they came back. You need to remember that because there's a lot of folks that are only in relationship with you because of what you're doing for them. When things get rough, they flee. Listen to me, folks. Don't go back and renew that relationship. You don't need that in your life. You find folks that will stand in faith with you who will declare you're going to die. You're not going to die. You're going to live and declare the works of God. So as they consoled him, they comforted him for the, all, all the adversity the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a ring of gold. Now listen to this next phrase. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. He blessed the latter days more than his beginning. I come to tell you this morning, if you'll stand and rejoice in your difficulties, it's not over yet. It doesn't matter what you see, what it looks like. It's not over yet. For we don't live by what we see. We don't live by what we feel. We don't live by what we experience. We live by the sure word of the Lord. And the Lord said, I will deliver you. I will ransom you. I will rescue you. I'll pour life into your dying body. I'll raise you up. And you'll be a witness and a testimony unto me. Oh, somebody get it in your spirit. The Lord wants to hear you today say, I will not die. I shall live and declare the wonderful works of God. It's time to start making a stand with your mouth, in your faith, declaring what God has promised in and over your life. When you're living in difficult times, get in faith with the word of God. Get in faith with another believer who will stand with you, who won't talk bad about you behind your back. Get in faith with somebody that will pray with you and say, Lord, you're going to see me through. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I'm going to condemn, for that is the heritage of this servant of the Lord. Stand to your feet with me. You need to know and understand, Tom, would you come back? We're going to sing that song in Jesus' name in just a second. You need to know and understand this morning that when I call you and say, I need you to pray with me, I'm not looking for somebody to come in with doubt, doom, and gloom. I'm looking for somebody of faith who will stand and believe with me. I said this on Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but God forbid, if I'm ever diagnosed with something that supposedly is going to take my life, and you come to visit me in the hospital, and you walk in the door with this long, sad face, tears coming down your cheeks, and you start praying, oh God, may your will be done. I'm going to rise up, punch you in the mouth, and throw you out of that room. Because that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who's strong in faith who'll come in and say the devil is a liar. The enemy is defeated. Sickness and disease bows to the blood of Jesus Christ. And through him, you're going to live and not die. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to change our thinking when we're facing difficulties from doom and gloom and griping and complaining to putting the high praises of God in our mouth and moving forward in his grace and mercy. Sing it out with me in Jesus' name.
Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. <laughs> 